0: In the morning at 10 uh, a.m., the the soccer club I support, Chelsea Football Club, were playing. Uh, At the same time, the club that Josh supports, Tottenham Hotspur, were playing. So we had two soccer games on at 10 a.m. And then in the afternoon, the college from my side of Washington, the University of Washington Huskies, were playing. And at the same time, the college from the east side of Washington, where Josh is from, the Washington State Cougars, were playing. So we had two games in the morning on at the same time, and two games in the afternoon on at the same time. We're hanging out, and so naturally, you have to watch both of them, right? So uh, we had the double screen action going on, and so I brought Natalie's computer over to Josh's house so we could just have the full immersion uh, experience of sports all day long. Um, Natalie's computer has a little bit bigger screen, uh, but it's a little bit older, And so I was kind of doing some stuff uh, in the morning to to get ready and closing programs and and that sort of thing. Uh, And if anybody's ever used a Mac computer, uh, you may be familiar with something known as the spinning pinwheel of death. Has anybody heard of this? It's this little rainbow pinwheel that spins on your computer when it's not responding immediately, right? You click on something and something's bogged up, and so you get the spinning pinwheel of death. Uh, and it's called that because you want to kill your computer when it's doing that. But as it was happening, I couldn't help but kind of laughing at myself and us as a culture, uh, at our desire for like instantaneous response, right? Who remembers? And you guys can probably remember long before me, but it wasn't that long ago before when you wanted to get on AOL to check your email. Welcome, right? You hear it, <laughs> right? That was a good impression of a modem, and that was just to get online, right? And then you got to wait for the the pictures. Who remembers watching pictures load on a computer, like line by line, right? And so we have this kind of built-in desire for things to happen instantly. We like things now, and this isn't just like an American thing. I think this is something that's been part of. Humanity forever, right? We always want things to go faster. We always want the gratification to become uh, quicker. I think one of the the ways I was thinking about this, how this has played out, is the way that we consume um, music. So, uh, in the old days, uh, when you wanted, when there was a song that you really liked, uh, you know, a four top song or something like that, Four Seasons, uh, and you wanted to hear that song you couldn't do anything except for turn on the radio and hope that the DJ would eventually play the song, right? You could call in and maybe they would play it, but you'd have to just listen and eventually the song would come on. Uh, But kind of the next evolution in how we consume music was a little bit bigger. And of course, there's 45s, the singles, right? And We won't talk about those. Uh, But the, the next kind of major step was the LP, right? The record. And so say there's a song on on your record that you really liked you'd buy the whole record and you can you can kind of move the the needle and find the track but that's really hard to do right so for the most part when you had a song you really like you'd put on the vinyl and you'd listen to the whole side of the album right until you get to that track that you like even if it's one track you'd still listen to the whole thing and so it was this experience that was better than the radio because you had control But you still had to listen to the whole thing before you got to what you wanted then of course after a few iterations right you had eight tracks and and cassette tapes and all that stuff but the next big movement in this was the cd right because what could you do with the cd you get this eric clapton live at the rainbow concert which we all love right 1973 and you only want to listen to bell-bottom blues right so what do you do You put the CD in and you move to track eight and you listen to just that song and you're done with it, right? So the gratification has come quicker. You move from having to wait till the radio plays it, having to listen to the whole vinyl to now you can just listen to the exact track that you want. But of course, uh, what, about 15 years ago, the whole music industry was turned on its head when we met this little guy, right? The iPod. Uh, And pretty soon we began to just download music. And now, for the first time really, uh, since the 45, if we wanted to just hear one song, we spent 99 cents and we bought one song. And so there's this progression, this movement of the gratification is quicker. Now I can just listen to the one song and I can buy the one song. I don't even have to deal with the whole record and the whole album. So this is kind of just an illustration of how uh, our culture... (laughs) By the way... I brought this. This is like a second-generation iPod. I brought it to my class of freshmen at Grace Bible College. They didn't know what it was. <laughs> like, how do you turn it on? They were, like, trying to, like, touch the screen. So. Come on, kids. Get with it. Uh, but this is just uh, an illustration of, of our desire. We want things to happen Now. When we want something, we want it now. And when it doesn't happen, when we have to wait, when we have to listen to the whole vinyl, when we have to watch the computer loading, there's got to be something wrong, right? There's a problem when things don't happen exactly how we want it, exactly when we want it, because we uh, have this desire to be where the action is, right? We want the excitement. We want the things that are happening. We want the bangs. We want the flashes. We want it all right now. This actually, this desire that we all have uh, to be where the action is and for things to happen on our time schedule actually plays into how we understand and how we celebrate the Advent season. So we're leaving the Advent season, right? We, we finished it last week. We had a great service on Sunday night uh, where we finished Advent. And so this whole season, we've been talking about looking backwards, right, to the birth of Christ, this is what the Christmas season is about. Hopefully, uh, you had time to reflect over this this last week of the birth of Jesus, and so we ended our our Christmas service on on last Sunday night, talking about this idea of incarnation that it 's about God himself coming into our world in a very tangible physical way. The reality that god 's presence is among the world at all times, but in the person of Jesus, God was here among us in a way that was different, in a way that you could touch, see, feel, in a way that radically changed the trajectory of human history. So we look back to the manger. We look back to this event that took place uh, thousands of years ago. But that's not all that the Advent season is about. We've alluded to this a little bit, but we haven't really talked about it. Because Advent season is about looking back, but it's also about looking forward. And so it's kind of this past, present, and future reality. Because uh, what the scriptures teach, and what Brian uh, kind of alluded to as well this morning, uh, is that the reality is, and what we we believe here at the church is, there is coming a time uh, when Christ will come and he will call us, the church, the body of Christ, to be with him, and then begin this process uh, where he will come here in return, in Advent here on earth, and begin to make all things new. Um, Just as a little plug here, uh, we are going to be doing, starting Wednesday, January, whatever, the next, (laughs) the 8th or whatever it is, the next January 6th, I think it is, that we're meeting for Wana. We're going to start doing a series on Revelation Uh, in our Readers United. We kind of (laughs) stopped before we got to Revelation because there's just way too much to talk about. So we're going to spend the entire spring working through this really fascinating and sometimes confusing and controversial book of Revelation. And so I invite you to join us. Uh, We'll be doing that on Wednesday. Uh, But the book of Revelation uh, teaches this reality of Advent. And we look at this as a future event that's going to happen, that God will again return and come into this earth in a physical way, in a way that we can see, touch, and feel, and begin this process of making all things new. Okay, so this is what Advent's about, looking back to the birth, but looking forward to the return. But let's be honest, right? It's been a long time in between these two events. Um, Most historians date the birth of Jesus to about 3 or 4 BC. So Christ was born in the year 4 before Christ, which is the great irony of history. There's a mix-up with the dating. Uh, But let's say he was born in 4 BC. Uh, The year now is what? 2015. So we do a little quick math here. Even I can do this math. It's been 2,019 years since the birth of Christ. And we're still waiting, right? Nothing's happened. There hasn't been this great excitement. There's been a lot of kind of monotony, millennium of monotony of nothing really happening. Of course, the church has continued to grow and and the gospel has gone out. But as far as like these big cosmic events where God comes into this world and changes the trajectory of human history, it's been a long time and nothing has happened. And I'm going to guess that probably every single person in this room at some point or another has thought about that and, and realized it's been a long time. Right? We, we believe that he's coming again. We believe that he's going to return. We believe he's going to make all things new. But it's been 2,000 years. M- maybe he's not. <laughs> Nothing's happened, so there's got to be something wrong, right? Because the way that we approach faith can often be the way that we approach listening to music. If it's not happening immediately, if it's not happening right now, if it's not happening in the moment we want it to, there's probably something wrong with it. And so I think we can uh, maybe fall into this, this reality or fall into this uh, misconception or understanding that because nothing big, these cosmic flashes and bangs haven't happened, at the moment we think they should happen, that there's something wrong. So this is kind of the trouble <laughs> that we have. When it comes to the Advent season, we look back, we look forward, we're here in this middle, nothing's happening, what's wrong? Uh, I think one of the the interesting things about Scripture is that it tells us that we are not the first people to ever ask these questions. In fact, this is something that some of the earliest Christians wondered about and asked about. So turn with me to the book of James, uh, chapter 5. James is one, uh, being in, in our New Testament, James is one of the earliest writings of the Christian faith. Uh, this was written to Christians who were living 20, 30 years after uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? So about 2,000 years closer to the event of Jesus than we are. Uh, and James is responding to questions that these early Christians had. Uh, and he says something kind of very interesting, a very interesting way to approach this. And uh, we've talked about this before, but but let's remember it. And so your heading might be might say patience and suffering uh, in James 5. But as we kind of get into the context, I think there's, there's a little bit more going on here. He says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, Until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So James. Speaking to writing to some of these early Christians, Christians who were living uh, in the years immediately after the resurrection of Jesus, looking forward to the return of God. Right. They were still celebrating this Advent past and future thing that we are even that early. They're still asking that same question. They're still wondering, well, uh, it's been 30 years. Where is he? (laughs) maybe there's something wrong. If it's not happening now, we haven't seen flashes. We haven't seen heaven open up. We haven't seen any angels descending upon the earth for a long time. There's got to be something wrong because if it's not happening now, there's something wrong with what's going on. And what is James' response? James says, consider the farmer. Um, I'm sure you all remember when you were young, you probably did that uh, great experiment in Sunday school or in, in your your elementary school where you go and you take a, a cup and you fill it with potting soil, right? And you put a bean <laughs> or a pea in that cup. You guys all have seen this or helped your kids do this? And you plant the bean and then you put a little water in it and you put it by your windowsill and then you come the next morning and the bean is six feet up in the sky, right? Uh, for a lot of us as Five or six year olds doing that, that's our expectation, right? We plant the bean. That's what happened to Jack, right? The beanstalk just boo right right the next day. And so we plant the seed and then we come back the next day and nothing's happened. And we're like, wait a second here. I must have a I must have a defective seed. Uh, and I I was always really bad at this, and I I don't think I ever actually did this, but I definitely wanted to always dig it out and like put it closer to the top. You know, maybe it needed to get closer, it was too, too deep in there. I would have been a really bad farmer because uh, of this lack of understanding that I had that just because I can't see anything happening with the seed, that doesn't mean that nothing is happening with the seed, right? To be a farmer, and some of you have worked uh, with the land before and, and you know this, uh, to be a farmer that's effective or to be a farmer that's good You have to be able to not only be patient, but you have to understand that there is a high amount of value in the nothingness of farming, right? Because most of the things that you're doing in farming is not planting or harvesting. That happens for a certain time of the year, and then you harvest for a certain time of year, but you have really long stretches of what? (laughs) Just waiting, (laughs) If you were a farmer and you went out the morning after you planted seeds and you looked at your ground and there's nothing here, like, wow, there's got to be something wrong with it. Let's get the oxen. Let's get this thing out of here. You're probably going to want to look for a new line of work, right? Because you can't do that. Farmers have to understand that just because things aren't happening at the pace that we want them to, just because there's no MP3 button in the field where you can you know, download uh, the crops at the moment you want them to, that doesn't mean that things aren't happening, that things are growing. That doesn't mean that it's broken. And so James here, as he's answering the questions that these Christians, these early Christians have, they're saying, well, what's going on here? Why hasn't he returned? Why hasn't there been big flashes? Why hasn't there been anything? What's going on? Something's wrong. James says, just chill. <laughs> Consider the farmer. If the farmer is worth anything, he knows the value of waiting and he knows the, he knows the reality that just because things aren't happen, happening at the pace in the scale and the movement that you think they should be, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong. And so this is a deeply... Uh, connected part of our faith. As Christians, we have to have this reality or this understanding that sometimes things happen at a really slow pace. It's not always planting and harvesting, but sometimes it's just waiting for the spring rain. And so because this is such an important part about being a follower of Jesus, about being a Christian, uh, some of the early, early Christians actually developed a a way to approach the year or a way to approach uh, worship that embraces this reality of waiting. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, this ancient Christian practice of the calendar um, that I think maybe will help us to understand our lives and understand kind of where we fit into this whole thing. Um, if, if you grew up in in the type of church that I grew up in, um, there's a word that you don't say in church, and that word is liturgy. It's the L word, right? <laughs> I grew up in this church. Now, I, I can remember very specifically, this was probably like... Um, 1997 or so so I was in junior high we were in we were upstairs in in the youth room uh and Mark Broughton who was our one of our song leaders there came into our, our junior high youth group and said he wanted us to be in prayer because he was going to go down into night church we called it the evening service at Brian Bible Church in Seattle and he was going to play the guitar this was the first time that a guitar was ever going to be played in the night church or in any capacity at Briam Bible Church. And so I grew up in this like, era of like trying to move out of the tradition and the organ and kind of move into this new world of rock and roll Brian Spikerman, that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, to suggest in any way that, well, why don't we do something a little bit more liturgical, that would be, right, that would be a non-thing. So some of you may be asking, well, what is liturgy? Maybe you've never even heard that word before. We, we don't really do a whole lot of liturgy here at Celebration. Liturgy is really simply, oversimplified. Uh, it's simply an ordered way to worship. And so there are many churches Uh, Protestant churches still today uh, that their worship style is in a more liturgical manner. So if you've ever been to one of these more liturgical worship services or been to a church that has elements of it... um, there 's usually um, some set readings that are prepared years in advance that this reading is going to happen on this day. Uh, maybe there 'll be a thing where the congregation and the priest or whoever 's officiating the service will read and respond to one another there 'll be a specific set of songs that will be laid out for this service to happen and in fact um, the, the the preacher himself will likely be preaching from a specific text that has been chosen so there 's this very specific order. That's given to this is how this worship worship service is gonna is gonna go, and so uh, there's, there's obviously nothing wrong with liturgy. It's just different ways that churches that churches worship. Um, but I think what sometimes can happen is as some Protestant churches like we are, and I know this is maybe getting a little deeper into church history than some of you care about, but we're going there. Uh, as some some of maybe the more Protestant churches uh, kind of look at that, we see well, we don't want to have A set way to worship because we want to be focused on how the scripture lays out worship. And the scripture doesn't give us this specific ordered way to do it. And so there kind of was this pushback away from liturgy. But uh, in recent years, in fact, probably in the last 10 to 15 years, even the most Protestant of churches uh, have kind of had a a renewed interest in liturgy. And so, in fact, Advent, uh, what we've been celebrating for the past four weeks, is a deeply ingrained liturgical uh, remembrance or liturg- liturgical celebration. And so, what that comes from is that liturgy is not just about a specific service, but there's actually a way that the entire year is ordered within something called the liturgical calendar, or sometimes we just call it the church calendar. So I want to I share with you a little bit about what that looks like, and I think that will help us uh, to understand things. So if you want to throw up the first slide here, Mary Beth. Um, so imagine... Oh, can you... Eh, whatever. Uh, it's blue. So imagine all the blue is white. Okay, so this is a year, okay? as you Yeah, oh, yeah. Technicolor. Right, okay, so this is a year. Um, all right, I don't think it's happening, so we'll just, Jimmy Busey's going to work his magic. Did it work? All right, we'll leave it. Good enough. Okay, so imagine this is your year. This is your calendar that Aaron has. Within the liturgical calendar, within the church calendar, there are two major events or two major celebrations or holidays or feasts within the church calendar. So the first one here on the next slide. Uh, is Christmas. And we just celebrated Christmas. And so that's the first main celebration on the church calendar. The second one on the next slide is Easter. So within the church calendar, it's essentially um, formed around these two days, Christmas and Easter. But one of the things that you learn as you kind of uh, investigate this, or maybe you are more familiar with the church calendar, is that for most of us, this is just a single day. Christmas is December 25th. Easter is whenever Easter is every year. But within the church calendar, it's actually uh, a, a series of days. And so Christmas uh, actually extends. you can go from the next slide, uh, from the 25th of Christmas uh, through January 6th, the 12 days of Christmas. So, you know, lords of leaping and calling birds and all of that stuff. Uh, and actually, we'll even go to the next Sunday. The baptism of Christ will be the Christmas season. With Easter, you can go to the next slide, it starts on Easter, but then it goes for 50 days after Easter to, anybody know what the 50 days to Pentecost, right, uh, is the 50th day after Easter. And so the church calendar is focused on these two kind of chunks of time, Christmas and Easter, or Tide, as it's officially called. But both of these holidays aren't just about the day and going forward, but there's also a period of preparation that each of them have. And so with Christmas, of course, we just had what? Advent. So the next slide, uh, we have the Advent season, which is four weeks leading up to Christmas. And so uh, in most circles, the first Sunday of Advent is actually the beginning of the church calendar. And so it goes through the four Sundays of Advent into uh, Christmastide, the 12 days of Christmas, and then into uh, the, the final Sunday. And then uh, you have Easter, but if many of you may be familiar that there's also a preparation period for Easter called, anybody know? Lent. So if you want to throw up the next slide here, Lent is a 40-day period uh, that, that some Christians observe leading up to the time Of Easter uh, in which the idea here is that you step out of something, whether it's a habit or whether it's sugar (laughs) or or something, you kind of step out of a normal part of your life with the idea of forcing yourself to focus upon um, losing something so that when you come to the Easter celebration, uh, you can celebrate all those things again, and so uh, this is this is essentially the two blocks. You have the days themselves, you have the celebration afterwards, and then you have the t- time of preparation before. And this is a very simplified version. There's there's more more of these things if you want to research this more. But you look at this calendar and you say, okay, cool. But what about the rest of the year? There's a whole lot of stuff. There. So you can go to the next slide. Uh, there is. There are these two chunks of time. Now, some calendars don't have that first chunk. Uh, they'll have some other celebrations to lead into Lent. Um, but we at least all share, All all church calendars share, this huge chunk of time from 50 days after Easter until Advent starts again. Like, this is like the June 43rd, no, there's no 43rd, June 21st or, you know, August 13th, like these days that are just completely nondescript at all. Like who does anything on August 13th? Is that anybody's birthday in here? Sorry if, I, if I'm dissing you. Um, but you look at the church calendar, there's a huge chunk of time where there's no big celebration. It's just nothing. <laughs> what I love about this is that the name For these long chunks of time is probably the the most natural name you could. On the next slide, this is simply called ordinary time. I know, it's hilarious. Uh, Because that's exactly what it is. It's time where there's no big event happening. There's no great celebration of the birth of Jesus. There's no time of fasting or Lenting as we prepare. It's just you know, August 12th. (laughs) It's just September 8th. It's just, there's nothing happening during this time. And so what the Christian church has done uh, has basically looked at the calendar and realized that there are these times in the year that are these huge high points in these celebrations. The Christmas season, Advent leading up to Christmas, Easter Lent leading up to Easter, the days after Easter were these great high points. And these are the bright lights and the shining stars. And these are the things that we live for. It's really easy uh, to be a Christian during these times, right? Because church is happening and holidays are happening. And right, Easter and Christmas are some of the times that people come to church and don't come to church the rest of the year, right? But they come on Easter and Christmas because it's really easy to do that. And so the Christian church has realized that there's these high points, but they realize that in reality, those are the exceptions. Most of the year is not lived up in the highs of Christmas and Easter and Advent and Lent. But much of the year is lived in the doldrums, in the monotony. It's lived in the span of ordinary time. Okay? And so the church year has embraced this and said, well, this is what it is and this is what we're going to do. And then we are going to use this time to focus in on the rest of the scripture and to focus in on other things. We're not going to simply pretend that every single week of the year is a high feast celebration, but we're going to embrace the monotony, the doldrums. We're going to embrace ordinary time. And so this is how the church calendar is set up. When you think about our lives, you can go to the next slide, Mary Beth, thanks. Um, When you think about our lives and your life, whether it's your faith or just your life in general, that church calendar is probably a pretty good reflection of your your life, right? When you think back, you probably will pinpoint, if someone were to ask you, tell me the story of your life, uh, you'd probably pinpoint and highlight some really big moments, right? Uh, maybe a birth of a child or a marriage or uh, starting high school or your first job or some of these really high memorable points. You probably would also talk about some really low points, right? Maybe when you got a diagnosis that you didn't want to hear or maybe when someone in your family passed away or you lost a job or something like that, right? We have these high points and we have these low points that we think about. But what's the reality, Most of our lives are not lived here or here. Most of our lives are within this spectrum of monotony. Most of our lives are simply getting up and being a mom or being a dad or going to work or being a student or whatever it is that we're doing at the time and just kind of going through the daily business of life. And so when you think of the church calendar, you think of our lives, there's this deep reflection here. And just like it's easy uh, to be a Christian on Christmas and Easter uh, and during these seasons, it's also really easy to be a faithful Christian in these high and these low points. Maybe not easy is the right word, but it's really uh, natural to be spiritually minded during the high points of life, right? During marriage, during birth of a child, during, um, you know, a job that we've been wanting forever, and we finally got it uh, during the release of the new Star Wars movie, you know, all these high points in our life. Um, It's really easy (laughs) to be spiritually minded up here. It's also very natural to be spiritually minded down here. Maybe it's not easy to be faithful (laughs) in these lows, but it's at least easy to kind of be thinking outside of this realm of monotony because your senses are tuned To these really peaks and valleys of your life. But. What about. On the August 8th of your life. What about. On September 12th of your life. Right. These days. uh, When there's really not a lot. Going on. Those are just. Obviously illustrations of, of monotony. Right. It's really easy for us to be spiritually minded here and here but not so much here. This is where it becomes, okay, well, what's going on? Why isn't anything happening? Why is there nothing exciting going on here? (laughs) For The early Christians, we just read about in James, they look back at the birth, they look forward to the return, and these are these high points, but it was really hard for them to be here. It's really hard for them to just be in the, okay, well, we're just here and we're just living and we're just, you know, I'm just going to be a shopkeeper and there's not going to be drums or angels or trumpets. Like, what's the deal with that? And so James says, consider the farmer. For us, it's really easy to live in the highs and lows, but what happens when we realize that most of our life is ordinary time? What happens when we realize that most of our life is just the day in, the day out, the doing it? Turn with, Colossians, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to finish here with just, just a couple words from Paul. Because I think that Paul realizes the importance of faithfulness in ordinary time. I think Paul realizes the importance of just doing Christian things, being a Christian, following God... In the green space of life, and so in Colossians one, he's writing to these Christians. I think sometimes when we read some of these words that we're going to read, we immediately associate them with like persecution, thinking that these Christians are you know being thrown to to the Colosseum and all of that stuff, and that may be part of it. But perhaps uh, he has something more normal and more ordinary in mind. So in Colossians one, Paul is is praying and giving thanks, and so in verse nine he says, "For this reason." Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So Paul's desire is that they have knowledge, that they understand the way of God. Then in verse 10, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, According to his glorious might, check this out, so that you may have great endurance and patience in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Maybe Paul's talking about persecution here, but maybe Paul is challenging these Colossians to have patience and endurance in the reality of the green space. Maybe Paul is challenging these Christians to be faithful even when things aren't here or here. To be people who can endure, people who can live out the calling of the gospel through the ins and outs and the ups and downs and the waking up and the going to sleep and the mundanity, that's not a word, the mundaneness of life. Patience and endurance sometimes means waking up, taking your kid to school, and being a faithful parent. Patience and endurance sometimes mean being somebody who's willing uh, to serve their spouse on a Tuesday <laughs> or on a Thursday or in a time when you really don't feel like it because it's not your anniversary. It's not their birthday. You know, it's July 8th. <laughs> but being willing to be a faithful, serving spouse during that time. Patience and endurance. Maybe it means uh, you're a student and it's like right in the middle of your semester and it's the time of year when everybody else is starting to give up and starting to cheat and starting to not pay attention. But maybe for you to patiently endure means bringing the reality of the gospel of honesty and uh, of, of a desire to learn and a desire to grow into the middle of that semester. Maybe if you're, you feel like you're getting up there in years, <laughs> you feel like you've kind of passed beyond the ups and the downs, right? You've done all of that stuff. You've been married. You've had kids. You've lost jobs. You've had jobs. Now you're just kind of doing your thing for the rest of, of your life. You're in that green area indefinitely. What does it mean for you to patiently endure during this ordinary time? How can you still be faithful to your grandchildren, to your children, to the people you come in contact with, to the people that live in the complex that you're out? How can you still be faithful? How can you still endure during the very ordinary period of life? Right? Because it's really easy when we're here. It's really obvious when we're here what about when we're in this? I think the challenge of being a follower of Jesus is being somebody uh, who can be faithfully committed to the way of the gospel, even when there's nothing going on. So we're leaving Advent. Uh, This week we'll have New Year's and everything will be exciting once again, but then it's January 13th pretty soon, (laughs) right? And we all know January 13th in Michigan is like well, it should be all right this year, uh, but there's nothing going on, <laughs> and there's not going to be anything going on for most of us who, who maybe if you don't do Lent or you don't do these things, nothing's going to be going on until Easter, and then nothing's going to be going on for the rest of the year. Uh, as we leave this time, this this peak, this high point, while we leave this up uphearness and we go back into the reality of ordinary time, may we be people who live in the reality of that green space with patience and endurance. People who can be faithful servants of the gospel even when there's nothing going on. That's my desire for myself. That's my desire for this church and each one of you individually, that we can be people who live out the gospel in the mundaneness of everyday life. We're going to pray and we're going to finish our service by Uh, singing it is well with my soul together. So let's pray. God, as we have reflected this morning, uh, we are aware that the joy and the excitement and the fever pitch of Christmas uh, is simply that, is simply a season. And Though we want to take the reality of your incarnation with us, uh, we know that we're going to be stepping back into an ordinary time, pretty soon. Help us to be people who can be faithful to the gospel, faithful to the incarnation, faithful to who you are, even when there's nothing exciting or measurable happening in our lives. But help us to be people uh, who can live out the gospel in that green space uh, of ordinary time. pray all of this in your name. Amen.